Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Everybody doing all right this morning? Yeah, you're alive, you're alive. Hey, if we have not met, uh, like I said earlier in the uh, service, um, my name is Kyle, I'm the lead pastor here. We've been praying for you all, uh, all week, praying that you have a life-changing um, experience with Jesus today. Um, anybody have any bad eating habits? Right? Yeah, uh, yeah let's just be honest, we're all in, okay? Let's be honest, uh, you're in church, don't be lying. Right? We're that, tenant. you know you made it right with the Lord, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have some bad eating habits maybe develop, especially this year. Everybody's quarantining at some point. Obviously, you made up all the snacks, right? We've got hurricane days that's happening. You know, you get up all the snacks, and it's like, oh man, why we eat those so fast? But, uh, but maybe we've developed some bad uh, eating habits over uh, our life. Uh, here's just a few. Here's kind of like the top ones, and you probably kind of already know some of these, but here's some of the top ones. So number one would be just mindless eating, right? Uh, you get bored, uh, and, and you just can't help you. There's food in the pantry, so you're just going to you're gonna snap, right? And, and I know we got teenagers and kids here in the room, and if you're a parent, you know that's like, I'm hungry, but no, you just ate. You're just bored, like, you know? Um, and so mindless um, eating. For me, this is like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but sometimes my eyes get bigger than my stomach. And I'll put, especially if I go to Fred's, right? Um, I've, 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 I've developed the art of stacking. Uh, how, especially if you get the blue plate at Fred's, you know, that, that one, the one plate that you can just pay for one plate. But if you learn how to stack it, you can, yeah, there, there's a trick to it, right? I can teach you some things if, if you'll let me. Uh, there's a way to, to stack it. What's that say? Sideboards. Yeah, for Thanksgiving. We need some of that. Yeah, I need you to create that condition, all right? And give 10% to the Lord, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes my eyes get bigger uh, than my stomach. I put too much food on my plate and, uh, or think I can eat uh, more than, than what's there. Um, I'm notorious for this. When we go out to restaurants, I never take home. It's rare. That I would take home a doggy bag, you know, like a take home plate. It's rare. Uh, I kind of grew up. What's on your plate, you eat, okay? And I'm granted you can take it home and warm it up and stuff like that. But it's just not as good. But maybe it's just the man in me. Maybe I'm just hard headed and stubborn. It's there on that plate. It's a challenge, right? Challenge on. I'm gonna try to eat all this food. I ain't about to take home uh, a doggy bag. But, but that's just one kind of bad idea. And then I always pay for it later on. Why'd you let me eat all this food? Why's that every time? Keeps our marriage interesting, right? <laughs> Next one is nighttime snack. You get kind of those hankerings late at night. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, like lately, the past really not lately, the past couple of years, just to say, uh, I, I've got this habit of eating bowl of cereal late at night. You know, eight, nine, ten o'clock, especially after the kids go to bed, because you know if you open something up. And the kids are still awake. Oh, I want something to eat too. No, this is my time. This is my snack. You don't get it. You go to bed, right? But, but I mean, I've got to have it. I, I just, man, I've got a bowl of cereal uh, late at night. And if we have ice cream in the freezer, it might be it might be ice cream. Uh, a couple months ago, Publix uh, had these real fruit popsicles. Y'all know those, right? They have a logo. That's 
dangerous when they put those kind of things on logo. And I put cereal on logo too, Joe, it's crazy. But I will grab it if I'm shopping. Haley knows better than to send me to the store. I will grab it if it's logo. And so we got to have it on those popsicles uh, later on. I know I'm probably making you hungry, um, and that's okay. But that's no good. Nighttime snacking, they say after a certain time in the evening, it's not, it's not good because of the way your body uh, processes uh, food. It could lead to uh, weight gain. Um, endless snacking. Just kind of snacking throughout the day. You have snacks around, and it's like, man. And, and then there's some snacks that are good for you. And it's good that you learn to, uh, you know, what that is and snack on that. Uh, but, but we don't like to eat those kind of snacks, right? And I don't want to eat avocado. And I don't want to eat the, the apple with the peanut butter on it. I don't put salt on my apple and eat it. And that's just how I roll, right? I put salt on my watermelon, too, man. Like, that's just how I roll. Um, but I don't want to I appreciate it. I love you too. Don't show up in my office with a bunch of peanut m ms this week. Because I'm trying to finish off the kids' Halloween candy right now. <laughs> I may just be dipping into that a little bit. Because they don't like chocolate. So we got the mini Three Musketeers and the mini Snickers. And I'm going to stack on those too. But sometimes it's not careful. We can, we can get it. If it's in the pantry, if you buy it, you're, you're going to eat it. Um, I have a little basket of snacks in my office. Because sometimes you just need a little pick-me-up, right? You know? It, but, but oftentimes the kids end up getting into that snack. So I'm not, I'm not even shameful for getting into the Halloween candy, okay? Because they eat my snacks too. But, you know, snacking just all the time is not good. Uh, skipping breakfast or just skipping uh, meals. Now, I, I, I used to be real bad at this. I would skip breakfast because I'd rather sleep a little longer. I chose sleep over, over eat breakfast. Um, but as I'm getting older, you know, next year I turn 40. And for some of you, you're like, oh my gosh, you're just a young I'm not really looking forward to turning 40. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not looking forward. And I'm starting to feel that. Uh, maybe there's some transition that happens there because I'm starting to feel. And, and, and so lately I've been really feeling like, especially, I don't think y'all understand on Sundays when, when you preach, it takes a lot out of you. And there's times I'll step on this stage and I just got to sit down for a minute. And, 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 and I realize, I'm like, maybe if I, because I don't eat breakfast on Sunday morning, I don't want to get like acid reflux sometimes. And the Lord's. You know, I don't want to, that's weird. It's not good for the live stream, you know? I don't want to do that. I'm glad some of you guys enjoy my humor. But, um, but you know, lately, the, the past probably month, I've been eating just a little bowl of oatmeal before I leave. And it, it seems to really help. Or maybe it's just in my head. I don't know. But, but it seems to be helping. But skipping meals, man, and breakfast, especially breakfast kind of gives you that energy you need to get through the day. And I'm going to be honest, there's sometimes about 3 o'clock, I'm like, dude. I need to go take a power nap, or I need to push through, and, and you can judge me and think I'm weak, I don't care. Uh, but, but maybe it's a matter of, of eating and things like that. And the last one, and we'll, we'll get past this until all the week of the day. But um, emotional eating, right? Sometimes we turn to food for coping uh, mechanisms. A ain't no counseling like Ben and Jerry's. Come on, y'all, right? Um, and so sometimes we'll turn to that in, uh, in, in emotional eating. Uh, we've been in a series called Holy Habits for the past um, couple weeks, talking about some spiritual disciplines that are vital to our walk with Christ, right? There's many people that call themselves Christians, but they're not doing the things that would... That would cause us to follow Christ, right? 
And so we've been talking through these spiritual uh, disciplines because I want, I want to grow in my walk with Christ. There, there's never a time where we come to play, all right, well, I've arrived. I've learned all that I can possibly learn about Jesus and, and the Lord, right? No, there's always more that God has. There's always more that we can, there's always more room for growth in our life. And so we've been going through this uh, series because I want to help shape our life. We're supposed to be coming like Christ. We're supposed to be getting closer. Now, I don't want to go a day without him. And these spiritual disciplines allow us to experience uh, him. So, so here's the deal. With, with our habits, every day, your day is filled with habits. Your life is full of all sorts of habits. So if you want to know your future, just look at your habits right now. What, what are your habits that you have um, in your life? Are you developing holy habits? Are you developing spiritual disciplines that, that grow closer in your faith and in your walk with Christ? So maybe you're looking at your life right now and you'll do a little bit of introspection and, and, and look at things. Uh, do you find yourself spiritually dry often? Again, you can look at your habits, right? Are, are you actively growing in your faith and in your walk with Christ? Well, one of our core values here at TLC is growth. Because we're all on this journey. Whether you're, you've been doing it for years or maybe you're brand new at it or somewhere in between. We're all on this journey with Jesus. But are we really on that journey? See, see many of us, we've repeated a prayer somewhere along the way. Maybe you've repeated it every week. But it's so much more than that. It's these spiritual disciplines that, that take us deeper in our faith, that, that take us closer uh, to Jesus, right? It's these holy habits, these spiritual disciplines that will help you on your journey. So here we go. What are your spiritual eating habits? What are your spiritual eating habits? The average Christian, they want to be spoon-fed. If we're real honest. And that's only going to take you so far. That might be good at first, but that's only going to take you so far. What are your spiritual eating habits? You remember when Jesus, uh, he prayed and he's teaching on prayer. We have this, uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer, right? What did he say? Give us this day what? Our daily bread. Backtrack all the way back. Old Testament, Israelites said, Gone through this exodus out of Egypt. What did God provide for them? Manna from heaven. God wants to provide us with the, the necessary things in our lives so that we live for Him. Holy, pleasing, set apart, called out from the rest of this world. Right? He's given us the necessary things to be able to do that, and it's in His Word. It's in His Word. What, what are our spiritual Habits. There's too many of us that are occasionally just nibbling at God and nibbling at His Word. In fact, there's a lot that are walking around and they're spiritually anemic and are not sick. They're not feeding on God's Word, what, what they're supposed to be doing. I, I, I want to be growing in my relationship with Christ. I want to be uh, come more like Him because I know I'm not good. I, I know I know. apart from Christ, I'm going to default to myself and my own nature and what, what I want and my sin and my flesh, but I, I, I want more. I want more of God. I don't know how you feel this morning, what you want. I want more of God today. So in this message, in this third installment of this series, it's called Listening, Learning, and Leaning. Who you listen to influences who you become. So 
Are you listening to God's word? God has made his word available to us in written form. He speaks to us still audibly to this day in many different ways. But God is still speaking to us. Are we listening? Are we tuned in to that? Turn to Matthew chapter 7, if you will, if you have a Bible or some sort of device you can Bible on it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Jesus is concluding the Sermon on the Mount, very famous section of Scripture. Sermon on the Mount goes from Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And y'all think I go long sometimes, but uh, Jesus is preaching the sermon that went three chapters in the book of Matthew, right? And here we have concluding this Sermon on the Mount. And, and y'all get to enjoy church in air conditioned and four walls in a building, and they were on the side of the mountain. For all of this sermon uh, as well. I'm just saying, you got it good. Right? He's teaching them, he's preaching them, and he's going through uh, all of these things, these, these powerful practical revelations of principles and standards for how we should be living now that Jesus is there, right? Because this is, they haven't quite figured it out that Jesus is the Messiah. They, they, there's some, some speaking, there's some rumors about that, there, there seems to be something different about this guy. They haven't quite got that full revelation just yet that we have. And all these people have gathered, and Jesus said, hey, listen, this is, this is what it is. God's kingdom is, is, is here. It's coming. You get to be a part of that. And here's how we do that. Here's how we live that. And, and he begins to speak on all these different topics, all of them having to do with, with godly character. And there's, there's, there's uh, topics on interactions with other people and our various relationships. He talks about murder and adultery and divorce. He talks about spiritual disciplines and, and prayer and giving and fasting. And here he concludes the message, because you know you got to wrap it up real good, right? Here he concludes this sermon in Matthew chapter 7. Verses 24 through 29. Read along with me. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a what? A wise man. Everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who, who listens to them, everyone who takes these words to heart and does them and is active with it and is, and is pursuing them and is living them out is like a wise man. Wise man that builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sin. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd was amazed at his teachings because he had taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, you have blessed us with your word. Instructions. Insights. Powerful things for us. So that we can live this life. And not just live this life, but God, so that we can have victory in our life. God, so that we can follow you, so that we can live holy and pleasing unto you, God. And it's the best thing for us. 
yeah, what's best in mind for us? And you, you give us details. You give us instructions on how to do that. God, I pray right now that we get such a desire for your word. God, that you would give us such a heart for your word. That this would not just be some other book on our shelf collecting dust. But God, we would see it as life itself. That we would see it as breath in us. God, that we would see it as spiritual sustenance for our life. And that we cannot go without it. Just as we would not go without physical food. God, may it be so. Give us that hunger. Give us that desire. May we learn to feed on it each and every day. To meditate on it as it says day and night. Give us that hunger now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so he concludes by saying, wise man, that listens to these words and does them. Right? Because it's not good enough just to hear it. I mean, you gotta, yeah, it's a two-part thing. You've got to hear it and then do it. So this is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock on a firm foundation. But if you don't, you're like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Tumble and crash when the winds and the waves of life come. And then it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things to crowds, they were amazed at his teaching. This was something different to them. This was something special. It says that they recognized that he was speaking with someone who had authority. It was different than the other teachers that they had been around. They were starting to get it. It was starting to click with them. This is, this is special. This is something different. They began to trust it, right? Listen, this morning before we ever dive into how you study the Bible or how you apply it to your life, you can trust it. You can, it has stood the test of time. It is a number one bestseller. Right? Come on, if you go on Amazon, you say, I, mean, I need a new book to read, right? You're going to go and you're going to read the reviews about it. You're going to see, okay, and, and then what kind of star rating does this have? Oh, it's the number one bestseller. Oh, is it, people are saying, I like this. It stood the test of time in more ways than one. It's a number one bestseller. I mean, it, it itself claims to be God's word. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's not just some men writing down their opinions. The Holy Spirit spoke to them, gave them a download, if you will. And then we have... But it is God really useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You, you can trust it. If you're watching online today, listen, you are trusting your internet provider right now to, to be able to keep watching this service, right? Some of you came in today and you trusted your car to get you here this morning. Those of you that are in person right now, you are trusting that pew. You're putting a lot of trust in that pew, actually, to hold you up, right? Why? Why? Because it's been what? It's been proven. It's been, well, I paid the bill, so my, and there should be no, there's no storms going on. It should work. I should not, you don't doubt that. Unless you have a particular provider that really isn't that good. <clears throat> You trusted your car. Hey, I haven't had any issues. It's been running just fine. So you trusted your car to crank and get you here this morning. That pew, some of you have been sitting in the same pew for years and years and years, and you trust it. Because it's proven. It's, the, the Bible has been proven. Right? 
I know there's still a lot of people that have a lot of questions about it, and it's good. It's good. It's good to have questions. Don't we, we, we gotta stop like messing with that, right? It's, you should have questions. I just hope those questions lead you to searching and studying it out on your own. It's good to have questions. It's good to have doubts, but I, I pray that, that leads you to finding God. But it's been trusted. It, it's been proven. And just to say, oh, it's the number one bestseller, just to say, oh, it itself claims to be true, that's not enough for people these days. In this world that we are living in. So what do we have to do? We have to investigate it for ourselves. Each and every one of you, you may have grown up and you've been told, hey, the Bible just, it just says so, right? I believe it because it's... It, and you've been raised up that way. You have to investigate it for you. Maybe there's some of us that don't have a true desire for it because we haven't really investigated it. You've got to investigate it for yourself. Check this out. It's proven. It was written over a period of 1,500 years. Right? Three different continents by 40 human authors that all came from different backgrounds. You've got Joshua, who was a military leader. David was a king. Daniel was a prime minister, Peter a fisherman, Nehemiah a cupbearer, Matthew a tax splitter, all these different backgrounds over this large time span in all these different ways, yet it still comes together perfectly. You, you, can't, you can't do that. Right? It still comes together perfectly. Some people wrote from different places. Moses wrote from the wilderness, Paul wrote from prison. John was in exile on the Isle of Patmos. Yet all this, even though yet it comes together perfectly and it creates this storyline of God reaching out to us. All this, and it is accurate. You can try to debunk it all you want to, and that's fine. That's your prerogative. But it is accurate. And it's consistent. It's consistent. It is accurate. And it is Consistent and it still speaks to us today. Check out, it is internally tested. In 2 Peter 1 16, it said, We were eyewitnesses. So you have eyewitnesses, uh, accounts, and a lot of this. Just all through the New Testament, the gospel. These guys, they were there. They saw Jesus nailed to the cross. They saw Jesus give up his last breath and die. They saw them uh, take him to the tomb. They saw the empty tomb. They saw Jesus after all of it come to them and appear to them alive. They were eyewitnesses. Now, you can, you can make a lot of, there's a lot of speculations and a lot of theories, even about Jesus' death and resurrection. Oh, well, well they, did, they just took his body. Well, first of all, they were disciples that took, they, they, why would they do that? <laughs> and, and even still, uh, many of them, they, 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 they stood up for this and it took them to their death, right? And, and why, would, why would the enemy, why, why, would, why would they take uh, Jesus and cause this mass chaos and civil war and all this stuff. Why would they do that? Like, we can make all these assumptions. And, and, and here's the deal: that tomb is still empty. Like, he was never the body was never found in that form. Right? Jesus goes again. He said it was going to happen. It happened. So we have to take that into consideration for its validity. So it's internally tested. They were eyewitnesses. These guys were writing down their eyewitnesses uh, accounts, right? It's externally tested. There are hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled. Even concerning Jesus and his birth, there were 60, there's 60 distinct prophecies, distinct prophecies about Jesus that include times in nature when he would be born. They say he was going to be born of a virgin. 
I'm very distinct, isn't it? Born a virgin. He's going to be born here and, and in this manner, right? And it, and it happened. There's 66 prophecies about Jesus. 24,000 original copies of the New Testament. That's more than some great literary works that have been put together. There's been archaeological digs that have proven it is proven. It is proven. Therefore, you can trust it. Amen. You can trust God's word today. You can trust that it is for you. You can trust that, that, that it is God's word inspired by him through men given to us even still for today. But it's not good enough just to be told, hey, this is what you need. Hey, this is true. Hey, this is good. Hey, you should, you've got to get to know it. For yourself, especially in this day we're living in, where we live in this post-Christian uh, world, where there's a lot of people, there's less and less people going to church, there's less and less people that believe, and and, and just saying, hey, well, I, it, it's just because the Bible says so, or it's just because of this, and, and I just have to. People don't want to hear that anymore. You have to know why you believe what you believe. You have to study it for yourself. So first of all, you can trust it, but secondly, you have to study it. You have to say, I know it's great to get your little verse of the day, and that's good. Like, we need that too. We need to learn to study God's word, to understand. Because if we'll study it and understand it, it's easier to apply it to our lives. So we have to learn to, to study it. Remember the beginning of what God said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. It's hard to do something if you don't know it. It's hard to do something if you don't hear it in the first place. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. We've got to get this word. We've got to get God's word in us. And more than just in our head, in our heart, in our life. Well, what does the Bible tell us? That uh, you know, if, if we hide God's word in our heart, so that we don't do what? That we don't sin. This is instruction for righteousness. This is instruction for living and pleasing. God, we've got to get this word in us. Anybody like chocolate milk? Man, my kids love some chocolate. I like chocolate milk too. I just can't have a ton of milk. And I'm, not, I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to get in all the details. You know what I'm saying? But what about Anna? When I stopped at Publix this morning, I think, Ryan, you need to talk to Publix. I'm going to give Publix a lot of publicity. All right, I'm going to say We got a church payoff. So. I got some chocolate milk. Sir, some people were asking this morning, what are you doing with that? I said, just watch. Sir, and then, woo! Put some more in it. <laughs> <laughs> just in this little bit. All right. So, so if, if we just took it for this, right? So I, I put the chocolate milk uh, mix in. in if I drink this, it would, just, it would be okay, right? Yeah. It would, it would just be okay. Though. What do I got to do? You got you to stir it up. Come on. You have got to stir that stuff in there. Get it in there real good. I think I put too much milk in here. You got, you got, you got to stir it up. It doesn't do any good if you don't stir it up. It doesn't do any good if you don't mix it up in there. It doesn't do any good if it's not applying to all the milk inside. Now, now it's good. Somebody help you? Billy, I don't have Corona. I just drank it. I don't have it. What do I mean by all that? Why am I being silly? You gotta get that word stirred up in you. It's not good to just be in your head. You gotta get it 
stirred up inside of you, uh, active in your life. Come on, the Bible says that it is a powerful word. Right, my Ferguson? I know I can get anything for you, my brother. It is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts deep to the core of who we are. It is, it is our weapon when it comes to spiritual warfare. Listen, the enemies can come after you guys. And, and it is the word of God that is our weapon. We need God's word. We need to stir it up inside of us. There's not any stirring going on these days. We need to get it stirred up inside of us. Get it out of your head. It's good that you have it in your head. It needs to be there too. But there needs to be a transformation into the, the word is supposed to change us from the inside out. Amen. We can get the word in our head and say, all right, the Bible says I don't need to do this and I don't need to do that. You know, I need to quit smoking, chewing, hanging around with girls and do, right? And, and quit doing all this stuff. And then we try to adjust and fix those things before we ever deal with the inside. And then we get frustrated because we can't fix those things because we haven't let Jesus fix those things yet. So it doesn't do any good in here if it's just in there. There needs to be a transformation. We've got to get disturbed up in there. Psalm 119, 10-11 says, I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commandment. I've been in your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a lot that know it. They can quote it all day. But guess what? <laughs> and the devil can quote it too. Are we living it? Are we living it? Is it active? And, and, now, now, I realize this. There's many of you, you know how to study it. You, you've memorized it. You, you've spent your life doing it. But there may be some of you today that's like, hey, Pastor, I hear you. Bro. I don't really know how to study it. And I get that, okay? I mean, that's not a bad place to be. We just got to take some next steps. We got we to gotta push it a little further. For a lot of us, it's like we want to study it, but we never take those, those initial steps to get it going you know, and develop those habits um, in our life. So, so the best place to start it is just to make time. Make time. Make a, come on, we make time for what's important to us, don't we? You're going to do it. You're going to make time for what's not. You're going to make time to get out on the boat and get out on the water. You're going to make time, you're going to schedule activities in your life. I know all you Disney people, you were freaking out uh, during the quarantine time. And you were like, you, you were like tweaking it like, I got these Disney, Disney's clothes. You know? Got these wristbands burning in, in, in your arm there. And there's all sorts of things that, that we, I, I, was, I was watching TV last night from 7 to 10 because the Gators were whooping on Arkansas. I, I, we would value that time. We will invest in what we want to invest in. Why? why if we talk about how powerful the Word of God is, if we're, if we're talking about how valuable it is for our life, why are we not investing more time in it? Why? Maybe we just don't know how to study it. Maybe we don't value it. I don't know what it is, but we've got to start somewhere. Start making time. And really, these days, there's no excuses. There is information out there. You can watch a, anybody's sermon. You can watch your favorite preacher. You don't have to go to a mega church in, in some uh, other city out of state. You can just watch it on YouTube. You can watch clips from old preachers of old that you used to love back in the day. Like you, it's it's available to us. There's uh, the internet. We we live in this information overload day. You can look up commentaries. You can look up insights. On just be careful what you look up because not everything is true. 
There's some bad theology out there. So you have to be careful. But it's available for us. You can even get the Bible. Come on, we have this thing attached to us all the time. Right? And you can get the Bible right on here. It can send you reminders for how, how lazy are we getting? But you can do it. You can get a reminder sent to you. Oh, hey, you got to read the Bible today. There's really no excuses for us anymore. Right? So start somewhere. Maybe it's, you, can, you can do Bible reading plan right here. There's apps for that. You can do that. Whatever you got to do to get this word in you, do it. You can get a devotional. You can buy that. Whatever you got to do. You can read it with others, which is really an amazing thing. If it, even, even on the phone, you can, you can, maybe you're not physically with each other, but you guys can read it. And you can uh, you know, share, hey, this is what I feel like God was speaking. Um, what do you think? What do you think that, that they're saying there? And you can do it with other people. This is why we have small groups. It's a great environment to be able to dive into God's word together with other people. There's all sorts of ways that we can do that. Now, maybe you're in the room and it's like, Pastor, you know, I'm trying to read. I don't really know where, where to start. I get that. That's a common question a lot of people ask. Man, I, the gospels are amazing because it talks about this Savior that we so love and we're trying to follow. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they, they give this account of Jesus' life. And what, what a great way to, to start off your reading. Uh, the Psalms and, and Proverbs have all these amazing wisdoms and insights and encouragement. Those are great places to start. You can start from Genesis from the beginning and work your way through. And I know there's several of you in the room. You try to do that often. But, but, but start somewhere. If you're really basic, you're really interested, and you're really trying to get this habit, there's a method called SOAP that is, is really easy. And I've done this with, with, uh, with teenagers before. But, but the, the letter is used as an acronym, S-O-A-P. So S would be uh, your scripture. So whatever passage you're reading, you have that, that scripture. Maybe it's one, maybe it's a chunk of scripture, whatever I mean. Then you have O, which is observation. So what is it that you see? Going, what's popping out of that scripture? At you? Maybe, maybe it's a word. Maybe it's like, what's this word? I, don't, I wonder what that means. So you look it up in the original language. You look it up in the Hebrew, the Greek, or, or whatever, right? And, so you, and then that always gives you a deeper insight, a deeper context to what, what the author's really trying to say. And if we can really get that, we can better understand it, we better apply it to our lives. So, man, what is it that's sticking out to me as I read this? It might be a word, it might be a sentence, it might be a parable that Jesus is why, why is Jesus using farming terminology right there? And study that and, and, and learn, learn what's going on there. I mean, if we just read it, I read it, so checkbox, like, and that's fine, but take it further. Let's turn that up inside of us. So scripture, observation, A will be application, right? So now, now I've dug into this, I've read it to a little bit, this is what I feel like God is saying to me right now in this moment. How do I use that for my life? How do I apply that now in my life? And then B will be prayer. Pray over that. Saturated prayer. God, I, I see what you're saying here. God, I want to use this in my life. God, help me. To do this. Help me to have a desire for this, right? That's a great, easy method to do. I get there's some of you, you, you may be a little deeper into it, and you may be a little more, and I get that, but that's just a great way to get started. Here's some other things. If you really want to take it a little deeper, a little further, uh, kind of look into the passage a little bit, understand um, what the author is saying by learning the geographical location. Where are they speaking at? 
Why, why was Jesus saying the gates of hell shall not prevail? Well, if you look into the geographical area where they were at, they were in Philippi, and there was a literal <clears throat> cave that they considered to be the opening to Hades. It was used for cultic rituals and things like that. And Jesus is standing here in this area saying the gates of hell shall not prevail. Why? How does that correlate? You know, and it's just it's a deeper meaning to that passage. So what's going on geographically? Historically. Historically, what's going on there? Who's the ruler of that time? Who's it? You know, because once you, know, you get into the beginning, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get into that time frame, you've got this period between the Old Testament and New Testament known as the intertestamental uh, period. And, and, and there's this period of time where the prophets, nobody was speaking, it was quiet. A lot of things have shifted. A lot of people have come out of exile, into exile. And so knowing what's going on in that area uh, and the rules, that, that, that's important to understand the description. You might think, oh, this is really nerdy stuff. No, it's interesting stuff. It's God's word. It happened. It's the history of God's people. You are God's people. We need to know it. So the historical context. The cultural context. Why did Paul say women shouldn't speak up? It wasn't because they didn't like women. Right? It's not for today to say, hey, women, be quiet. No, because today's culture is different. Women weren't as educated then because they weren't allowed to be. Right? It's not an excuse to say women can't preach or women can't uh, do this or that. No. And people take that out of context. Right? You've got to understand the context of what the passage is saying. So all these clues about that geographic um, uh, location, history, the culture, new word study, like I said before, what does this word mean in the Greek or in the Hebrew? And it gives you a better understanding of God's word. There's a lot of information out there. Again, like I said, just be careful uh, that, that it's good theology. Um, and you can always ask questions about that. There's commentaries everywhere. Again, you've got to be careful with that. There's books. There's video teaching. Uh, there's study Bibles. A good study Bible is always a great place. There's so many uh, ways for us to dive into God's Word, to study it, to understand. There's really no excuse other than we just really don't want to. Sorry, not sorry. Nothing beats the revelation of the Holy Spirit. As you pray over God's word, as you say, God, I'm going to read, I want to read your own desire. God, will you speak to me as I read this? And as you read it, I believe the Holy Spirit will reveal things in God's word to you. Nothing beats the revelation of the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of reasons, all kinds of things available for us to know God's word. There's no more excuse. So we can trust it. We should study it. Right? And then we have to live it. Worship team, you guys can come up. Trust it, study it, and then we have to live it. Right? So yes, it's proven. Yes, you can trust it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to get this word in me. I'm going to stir it up. Right? Now what do we do? Live it. Apply it to your life. Use it. That's what it's meant for. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Puts it into practice. Is like a wise man that builds his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and practices it's both. It's both in. Then you'll be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock, on a firm foundation. You're not going to build a house and, and skip that part of the process, right? Because it's going to fall in trouble. You're not going to put that foundation on, on, on land that's wet. That's an important That's why they start that and do that first. So we have to learn to get God's word in us. So 
So that's a good foundation for our life. And then we have to do it. Because here's the deal. Many of you have come to know this in your life. Storms are going to come. And I don't mean Eta or Beta or whatever all these other names are coming up with. There's going to be storms that come in your There's going to be things that come your way in this life. Following Christ is not a path to difficulty. But we have someone that gives us strength in the middle of the storm. And he's not just any person. He's the one who can calm the storms and seas in your life. Why? Because he's done it before and he'll do it again. But there's storms that are going to come. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be moments in time where we face trouble. From little things to a flat tire or a bad day to big things where we may have lost a loved one or lost a job. But those things are going to come. What do we have to lean on in those moments? God's word is a sure thing. It is a proven thing. It has been given to us for those very moments in our life. Enemy, enemy's going to come up against you. He doesn't want you to know God. He doesn't want you to know. He wants you confused about his word. So that's why he will use false teaching and false prophets and all this. Because he doesn't want you to get it. against him. What do you have to lean on? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When things happen in our life, I know we ask, why? Why is this happening? When we go through things in our life, it's like, God, why am I going through this pain? I don't understand this pain.
www.tlchurchpc.com If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.